They shoot the shit. They shoot, they shoot the shit. Shoot, 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 shit, shit, shit. Shooting the shit with Chippa. This is part two of my interview with Ryan Morrison, writer, editor, and executive producer of the film Arctic. Oh, no, it's, it's all good, dude. It's all good. Um, yeah, no, it's just, it's, it's, I don't even remember what the question was, but I think that <laughs> we were just... Okay. We were just kind of talking about, uh, the, I don't know, I ended up getting into, lo- oh, locations, yeah. So we, we lucked out, and, um, and our team was, was really, really good. And they managed to find locations that made a 19-day shoot possible. Because otherwise, if we're running around all over the place, uh, it was just, it was slow moving. Um, and we needed, to be, we needed to be as nimble as possible. So uh, that, was, that was definitely a, a challenge. And it was really interesting to be able to see uh, the country, um, because I got a good behind the scenes, like custom tour of all of the coolest places, uh, in Iceland. And and there's a a scene that takes place inside a cave, uh, in the film. Ah, And initially that was going to be in an ice cave and we had gone to the glaciers, uh, and they were unreal. Like it was unbelievable looking at these things. And uh, the only major problem with shooting in the ice caves in the glacier is that uh, if the temperature fluctuates, the cave disappears. Um, oh. And lo and behold, that is what happened. Uh, so we had, uh, luckily, we because we had such great location scouts, um, the cave that we ended up going with is visually spectacular, and I mean that very literally. Uh, and, uh, that was our, that was actually our second choice. So like, that's the caliber of environment you're dealing with in Iceland is where your second choice is something that is still jaw dropping. Well, and it's, it's interesting that you say that because the movie you had said, you know, when the production notes in the script, it need a little bit more action and a little bit more intensity here. It, it has a really cool balance of that kind of stuff. And that scene in the cave, you know, it's. It, it it's such a horrifying situation. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like the hope is lost thing. Like he he believes that this you know person he's been trying to save isn't going to make it or hasn't has already not made it, and then he falls to basically what should be his death, right? Mm-hmm. And and I said spoiler alert at the beginning, but you said and uh, sure. the the shot the pullback shot to show his situation is such a beautiful shot yeah. of such a horrifying like hope is all lost type of moment right yeah that cave is unreal oh i was gonna say that i I had a note on here to ask if that was a set or something that was done like back in the states or something yeah no that's that's 100 percent real and um and it is just a naturally we had to dig we actually had to dig to get into the cave um which is which is nuts and then that uh uh, that wide shot, like Joe and I kept one of the things that we really like doing. Um, I, me personally, as an editor, I like coming back to a wide, not necessarily starting on a wide. I call it in, it's called inside out editing. And, um, you know, you start off close and you start to ask questions like, where are we? What's going on? And we see the character asking those questions and then we bounce out to that wide shot and you're yeah. like, oh, okay. Hey, the questions <laughs> give the answer just when the person needs it. Yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah. Um, so I love that. I actually, I did that um, earlier in the film too, when he's like wiping off these little stones, um, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. and then, and then you go to a wide shot and I like he- still hearing him, you know, doing his routine in the wide. And it's just, we wanted to kind of, show use that as a, a little chorus to kind of show him being super isolated and super alone uh and in a um you know we didn't want to lean on it too much but um but I, I think we found a good balance on that i i loved that little um that little extra added thing the little monuments for all the mm. real later that they're monuments for people he's lost yeah you know um, and that's a great reveal and you know it's the everyday part of my routines to clean these off because if somebody gets here and finds me I want to make sure they find you too. Yeah, and exactly. It's yeah. So it's, it's, you know, it, it's, it, it tells you so much about the guy's morals and what he's all about without having to have any of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was so, one of those little mysteries that we wanted people to kind of lean in at, at the beginning and be like, what was that? And then later, Oh, okay. Uh, now I understand what that was. Oh, it's so, it's so intense. Um, so, you know, we, I talked about how I, how I thought that cave was, you know, something fake or, or set, and that's awesome that it's not. And that brings me to two, there, there's a couple of sequences in the movie that are, you know, 
from a from a person that knows a little bit about filmmaking mm. and from a from how the rest of the movie goes down, kind of budgetary, like wow, I'm surprised that's in this. You yeah, know, I said a couple of times. Um, is the the helicopter crash and the polar bear? Yeah. So tell me a little bit about you know how like is that you know being done on set? Are the you know is is the helicopter digital? Like what what's going uh, on? Helicopter's there? real. The helicopter's oh. real. Uh, Joe and I both have a long history of doing visual effects, and we know it's way easier to do a lot of things practically. Uh, so. Uh, and we always uh, we're very very careful about using the the phrase we try never to say, which is fix it in post. Um, yep. So we wanted to do everything as practical as possible. The the helicopter um, at, in the beginning is real. It is uh, the weather is uh, I would say ninety percent of it's it's real at any given uh, at any given time. A lot there were a, a few sequences where we needed to. Um, give it a little bit of help, and then there were some days, uh, this is just a little aside, uh, where the weather was so bad that Mads actually was, we, we had to stop shooting um, and because of the wind, and Mads was uh, opening a car door, and the door got ripped off the hinges and just flew off into the mist and never was seen again. Like, wow. Oh, that was the stuff that we were dealing with. So most of the weather is real, but there were a couple of scenes uh, where we had to uh, give it a little bit of help. Um, but uh, yeah, the helicopter's real. We actually were having, uh, we had a um, a choreography with the helicopter pilot, because he's a great, great stunt pilot, uh, that we had to kind of abandon um, because the weather was so bad uh, on the day that we were shooting with the helicopter. So some of those movements that the helicopter is doing um, it's just trying to, he's just trying to get stable. Um, right. Actually fighting the weather. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, the scene going like it, uh, again, not, not a critique of your guys' abilities at all. Sure. I mean, but you know, usually when you get to a scene, like, like for instance, if you watch a TV show and a mm. TV show has a certain budget and you like, say it's like a medical show or something yeah, yeah. and then like a big event episode. Usually the effects work for like, say like a helicopter crash or a car crash or something. It's very obviously, you know, computer generated and looks pretty cheap. And I'm sitting there watching this scene and just going, there is no friggin' way with, you know, (laughs) a one, one and a half, two million dollar budget that they're making this cool, uh, this real and intense feeling looking, you know, a helicopter crash sequence without it being an actual helicopter. Yeah. And, I'm glad I'm glad that my eye is as keen or you just, you know, um, found a really good digital effects guy. I'm glad I'm glad that that's not the case. <laughs> that that guy, that guy is me. I did that. Uh, I did that. Uh, that sequence. Um, so wow. there there is a little bit of uh, a little bit of help that's given to the helicopter. It is a practically shot helicopter. Um, but <laughs> but we, we did not crash it. Um, <laughs> Um, our pilot was very dry, uh, very dry sense of humor. And he was like, what would you like me to do? And Joe was like, oh, well, ideally we'd crash it. And he was like, okay. And then Joe was like, seriously? And he was like, no. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but, uh, but yeah, no. So we, um, we, uh, we did as much as we could. Uh, we, we were fighting against the, uh, fighting against an actual crosswind that was really, really, uh, dangerous so we wanted to we didn't have him push it too too hard um and then there was a a little bit of help that uh that i gave it in in post um and then obviously when it crashes um one of the things that we wanted to make sure we didn't do was break overguard's perspective uh there's only one shot in the whole movie where we break his perspective and it's it's in a scene that we'll talk about i'm sure after this um but uh, we didn't want to break his perspective. We thought it would be more of a heartbreak to see the crash from his perspective, yes. not from like a close up of like the skids and then the 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 blades and then hitting the you know hitting the mountain. We wanted to stick with Overguard and then stay on him. Um, the the aftermath of that crash is not about the crash; it's about him. Um, so that was that was done um, very very intentionally. That's awesome. Yeah, it's just it it needs to work. Right, that scene, like that, and it, and it works real well. So, was the stunt pilot the um, because you can obviously see him and and Maria's face in in the helicopter. Yeah, um, it's 
Because they're both, you know, freaking out over the weather. Like, they have that look of, oh, don't worry, we're here. Everything's under control. And immediately it's panic. Oh, crap, yeah. what's happening? Mm-hmm. And is he is he the the um, actor who's downed in the helicopter in the next no, sequence? No, they they couldn't be more different looking <laughs> looking guys. Oh, I just, yeah, I was wasn't. Sure. Yeah, no. When you uh, when you have the helmet on though, and you're looking at them through a snowstorm, everybody kind of looks the same. So as soon, as soon as you said break perspective, and and yeah, it definitely is the scene I'm talking about next. And yeah. I, I, it's a really great almost levity, strangely for for mm-hmm. breaking perspective. That, but yeah, so tell me about the polar bear. This polar bear, what shows up three times in the film, or a polar bear? Um, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's good. That's as you're probably the only person that's ever said that's ever made a distinction bef- between not being sure if it's the same polar bear, um, right? Which is good because who knows? I mean, Joe and I are firm believers in the death of the author. So once it's done and it's out there. Uh, and if there's not a concrete explanation in the in the movie, then it's Whatever who knows. Thing. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, yeah, the polar bear. What do you, what do you want to know? <laughs> oh, like, um, for for example, I mean, there's there's obviously edited and filmed to sure. you know, to make it seem like that polar bear is very close to our two actors and about uh-huh. to eat. Um, yeah. and there's interaction with you know like fire on a stick or not? Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, not fire on a stick. A uh, um a signal flare. Yeah. You know, like how um, was it, you know, a second unit that had like a trained bear that did something? Did you guys have the polar bear on set? Like what, what's going on there? The, this is a, an interesting, um, a, an interesting experience. Um, we were initially trying to do the scene without the bear. Uh, there was no way we were going to be able to afford uh, bringing, uh, bringing a live polar bear to Iceland. And That's then, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, just there's only there's only one semi-trained polar bear on earth too so she kind of has the uh the market cornered there um and uh doing a visual effects uh doing cg a for me and joe it just never really looks right especially with animals that have an organic nature to them um super yeah uh and and then um the expense of it it was just so expensive to do it in cg um just the model alone not animated, not rigged, was like uh, over a hundred thousand um, dollars. So we just didn't have that kind of money. So we we initially shot it without, um, and shot. Uh, and I was editing as we were as we were shooting. So um, while we were in Iceland, uh, Joe and I kind of had an inkling that this wouldn't work um, without the bear, and um, we kind of put together a plan to uh, to. Uh, try to do some some temporary effects to show the producers uh what it could look like if we went out and got some second unit stuff uh and joe and i put this plan together and we showed it to them and much to the producers credit uh they were right on board right away they were oh you god you guys got to go do this definitely it's going to be worth it um so uh so we put you know we had done some temporary effects we go out and we then Joe kind of had to Joe track down the the world's only trained polar bear. Um, we got a fantastic crew up in Vancouver because that's where Aggie lives. Aggie's the name of the bear. Um, we got an awesome crew up in Vancouver and they um, rebuilt essentially a foam version of the cave that was a real cave that we shot in Iceland. Uh, they rebuilt that in on us on in a warehouse. Uh, uh, in um in Vancouver and we got to shoot with this live po- I have to say film because when you're talking about shooting a bear it's a little bit different um yes. So, yes. <laughs> so we got to film with this polar bear in uh in Vancouver and um and we couldn't have food on the set like up to two or three days prior to it because she would still smell it um we couldn't have water bottles because if you brought a water bottle up to your mouth she would think that that was food and then your food um so oh. <laughs> so and she was very territorial and um possessive of the trainer so the director joe couldn't talk to the trainer directly he had to give the trainer's wife uh his direction and then she would tell the trainer what she what uh she wanted the bear to do so were you 
filming with the bear and then this fake cave and your actors were in the fake cave too? Uh, no, it was just the trainer that was on the other side. And then, um, I, so for the two angles of the shot, that's what I was thinking, yeah. but my God, a little what? bit, a little bit of movie magic. Uh, okay. the fact that you were filming a real bear at all is, yeah. um, is intense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we got that. We managed to get that done. Um, and, uh, and, the the funny thing was like you know we're we're talking to, to the trainer and we're like okay well we wanted to like kind of roar through the uh, through the through the hole in the cave you know should we have our mic set up and he's like listen man if she's making any sound then you've got way bigger problems on your hands than if she's making any sound <laughs> I'm gonna ask you to, to leave <laughs> yeah you've got way bigger problems on your hands than 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 getting any audio. Um, so we were like, okay, uh, so we'll just add it in post later. Uh, so what he was doing to get her to look like she was roaring was he, he was holding up Oreos and saying like, smile. And, uh, she would just, she would smile and then, and it looked like a roar and then she would get her cookie. And, um, I, I you know, I know she's a, a ferocious beast, but she just looked happy <laughs> the whole the whole time that we were working together um she was really excited to be on actual we brought snow we made snow out of fish ice um and uh and usually if she's doing a commercial or something they have fake snow uh so she was really excited to be there and um and you know the the thing that we were warned about was like she's done when she's done like there is no pushing her there's no can we get one more um so we either get one shot with her or we get what we need and then call it a day. Um, same bear in the wide shot then of course. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so there's the, the wide shot at the very beginning is a different, is a different bear. Um, wide shot in the beginning, just a bear that happened to be out there that you guys just filmed from afar. No, no. (laughs) If we were that close to a bear, I think we would have been done shooting. (laughs) Um, that one is one that we ended up, uh, licensing some footage that we got. Um, it fits in perfect. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so Aggie was like, uh, you know, our, our, our third star and, uh, and she did an awesome job and, and I cut that together and I needed an over the shoulder of Mads. Uh, there was just, I didn't have a VFX plate of, uh, of Mads' shoulder and just needed to be out of focus, but I just wasn't feeling like they were inhabiting the same space. Um, so I grabbed, we, me and Joe happened to have the, the overguard parka and, uh, I grabbed Joe and a green screen and had, uh, my buddy Alex, uh, just pop off a quick plate. So that's Joe's cameo is Joe is the, is the shoulder. There's uh, Joe's hit right there. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and he claims it's the best, the best acting in the movie. I don't know. That's up to to debate. I'm de- definitely going to get Joe on here too, to talk then. Cause uh, we can bring that up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a hotly contested claim. Dude, uh, this is, this is awesome. So uh, yeah, let, let's, uh, man, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm giddy over here, dude. This is, yeah. this is, this is like, it's like watching, you know, a behind the scenes thing with, somebody on a dvd but i have the scoop and i'm talking to a friend that is doing everything that i had ever hoped you know you, you, there's always somebody right that you know mm-hmm. it, that, that makes it and but the fact that i'm able to talk to you about this and the fact that you almost lost everything yeah man we were we were day we were days away wow so always so, very very thankful for everything so, that i have so right now. i don't want to keep you for a super long time but i gotta oh, no, all good dude no as long as you're cool but i would say how was the editing process you said you were editing as you went this was a digitally shot film i'm assuming so you edited on like premiere yeah yeah um so yeah we i kept calling it we were laying the railroad track as as the train was moving um and it was be- the main reason uh the main reason that we had to we had to do it that way was because uh number one that's just kind of me and joe's workflow um, but more importantly, um, we were, we needed to shoot in Iceland in a time of year <clears throat> where there was enough daylight to shoot, but not so much daylight that it was melting all the snow. Um, so cause Iceland isn't typically it's, it's snowy in the winter, but then, you know, as soon as the spring and summer come around, it's, it's not, uh, so we only really had one shot to get the movie shot. And then Mads had another movie to, to do after hours. 
So there was no let's come back and get it if I'm like, oh, we need pickups. Uh, there, there was no opportunity for that. So I needed to be cutting, assembling the film um, as we were going so that I'd say, okay, I know we have this, this sequence, move on. Or, hey, I need some transition material here because there's a snowstorm in this scene and it's sunny in this other scene and they're supposed to be chronologically right next to each other. Yeah. Um, so uh, Joe, uh, I mean, I think this is a, uh, it was a special movie for him to do for his first time because I, I've never seen anybody have to <clears throat> change and adapt and come up with a new game plan on the fly like him because he went in so prepared and took so much time to come up with a game plan and then throw that thing right out the window the second we started shooting. Right. Yeah. That's so, insane. <laughs> so, oh yeah, so, so I didn't uh, even really answer the question. So a- no. editing, <laughs> edit, I was I was basically kind of like, um, you know, I'd run out to Joe with a post-it note with three shots that I would need that would either open up some <laughs> editing opportunities or that would like link uh, a couple of scenes together. And, um, and I, w- I was editing in a full-on like snow pants parka like in a in a, essentially a freezer um while we were out in the middle of uh in the middle of nowhere and like i had like a a small gener like putt putt generator to to keep my computer on and that was about it and fil- filmmaking in the in the 2017 right yeah there was a there were not Except a lot of uh fringes there there's somebody in like the 40s and have them hear this and just go what what yeah <laughs> what is ice like how do, we, how do i even film there <laughs> yeah yeah it was a uh, it was definitely an achievement we shot on um on a, an alexa uh, mini and we got to uh you know i had a dit kind of converting the footage for me and and then i would just start plugging away um and uh yeah uh, i think i think that gave us a really good leg up and then we had about 10 weeks to do our director's cut after we had finished but I was already about 70% done with the edit anyway. Right. Um, so I had been given some really great advice by uh, a fantastic editor uh, named Jim Haygood. And uh, he cut Fight Club. And that's one of, my, one of my all-time favorite movies. Um, yep. And he said, he said, never leave anything to anyone's imagination for a director's cut. Um, even, you know, even if there's a, if there's supposed to be a doorbell ringing, don't put a little title up that says, here's the doorbell, the doorbell should ring here. Um, put in a a crappy sound effect. It's not your job as an editor to do sounds and to do visual effects and stuff, but you know, do what you can so that people, it doesn't mislead what the edit looks like. Um, you want people to understand the flow and the vibe of the, of the movie. So I took that pretty, I took that advice pretty, pretty seriously and uh, I ended up doing about 200 visual effect shots, and Joe did sound design for like the entire movie, and did a bunch of uh, uh, all the temp score. Um, and when we presented the film, you know, we put we put the film together in a way where we felt like, God forbid, if this thing ever leaked, but if it did, we could stand by it and be proud of it. Um, that's that's a that's a good approach. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Um, because we were first timers and we didn't want to get fired either. Like, you know, there was, there, there was still the chance that, uh, you know, the movie could get taken away from us. Uh, so we Absolutely. did that. We did that. And everybody was, uh, was thrilled with the director's cut. And then the VFX supervisor approached me and said, Hey man, uh, you did a great job. I bought, you know, I know what those shots were and I bought, I bought all of it. So why don't you just come bring them over the finish line? Uh, so I ended up doing uh, doing a bunch of visual effect shots for the for the finished film. Dude. So Dude. the helicopter crash, the the polar bear, all that stuff. Um, so many shots of footprints being uh, painted out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask that so much, dude. So, so, so much. <laughs> so, so the. So wow, the editing pro- so the editing process got you a gig as a VFX guy on, yeah. on a Hollywood film. Yeah. So, so that's nuts. So you know, th- this is probably a cliched question, but whatever. Um, as a writer, mm. you wrote the damn film. Do mm. you find you have a better understanding of editing the film, or does it make it harder? 
Like, for example, you own the script. So as you have to cut things out or change things or move them, does that make it harder? Or since the, you made the movie the way you did it, is it kind of just like you're doing those on the fly anyway? Um, I, I, I've been told by a lot of other uh, professionals in the industry, uh, a lot of my peers, managers, agents, producers, uh, a lot of other people, that what me and Joe do is not really a thing. It's not a thing that people do. Uh, it's not some something. It's not a normal process. Sure, there are writer directors, um, but they'll always have an objective editor. Uh, it's not a normal process for someone to be a writer editor. Um, it's all I know. So to me, it feels very natural, and I can be very very objective. I also am on set when we're shooting, so I know. Oh, you know, hey, we we took that 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 shot that sequence took us three days to get. And I'll look at it, and if it doesn't serve the greater purpose of the film, um, it doesn't make it in the film. Um, yeah. and, and I can be objective about that. I, I think a lot of other people might have, uh, have, may, might have trouble with that. Um, they might get married to a few concepts or to a scene or understand, have a feeling about the subtext that, oh, this needs to be known. But uh, Joe and I call it Swiss cheese. Uh, we're logic, logic hounds. Uh, we poke holes in absolutely everything. Um, so when I'm editing, if I'm looking at something and I feel like we don't need it, um, then it doesn't go in the film. And, and I actually, uh, the the script, the bear scene happens uh, like 20 pages earlier. Um, but I was messing around with the with the movie because I was, I, I, you know, you can't just be editing scenes just the shots within a scene and uh, scenes within a sequence. You have to be looking at the big picture as well. And I didn't feel like the flow was working. Uh, so, because it made sense on the page, just because it makes sense on the page doesn't mean that it's necessarily going to make sense on screen. And I felt like because we have the luxury of, of Overguard wearing the same outfit the whole time, um, I could I could move, I could move ha- I could play a lot with time. And I... Uh-huh. Ended- moving the bear um i ended up moving the bear scene um to a totally different spot and it worked out a lot it worked a lot better so uh yeah sometimes it's hard uh, but I, I i it just as an editor when i sit down at the computer and i'm um, at premiere um i'm almost like a, a different person and i'm just looking at what i have and how can i make that work huh cool man yeah so you said guys did attempt score so the score was another thing that um that i felt served the movie incredibly well um can you tell me a little bit about um like how that came about you know what it was like working with the guy that did it um another another like very crazy coincidence is uh joe trapanese our composer who is an absolutely outstanding uh composer he's done tron he just did robin hood oblivion uh the raid movies um He's he's done a, do- a ton of great great stuff. He's he's amazing, and he's just an awesome all around guy too. Um, it just so happened that Joe Penna, my my director, is married to a woman named Sarah, and they have a friend that has another Joe and Sarah that are mutual friends. So they thought it would all be funny to go out and <laughs> and have dinner together. Um, and when they were at dinner, Joe was talking to the other Joe. And he says, oh, what do you do? And the other Joe says, I'm a composer. And Joe Penna says, oh, I'm a director. And he says, what have you directed? And Joe's like, oh, well, I've just, I just finished a movie. You've probably never heard of it. We haven't even had a press release about it. Um, it's a survival movie that takes place in the Arctic. And Joe, the other Joe, uh, says, oh, you're talking about Arctic with Mads Mikkelsen. Ah. And Joe, Joe Penna's like, how could you possibly know that? And Joe Trapanese says, my agent told me about the movie, and I have a meeting with your producers on Monday um, because I am dying to do that movie. And we couldn't, we couldn't avoid, like, it, it just so happened that Joe and Sarah had a friend that had another Joe and Sarah, and, you know, they had all of their Joe and Sarah jokes, and then they get to know each other, and then, lo and behold, that's our composer. Um, so every. Everybody's wife is named Sarah because my wife's name is Sarah too. <laughs> yeah, everybody. I mean, it's a. I, I guess I guess that's the name. Um, but uh, yeah. So uh, you know, Joe's stuff spoke for itself. He's an incredible composer, and um, he had such a great approach to the movie. 
um, he he was the biggest advocate for keeping music out of certain scenes. Uh-huh. There were scenes that Joe and I had put music in because it, we needed to sell it and we needed to, you know, it was before, you know, f- finish VFX and this and that, uh, b- before finished sound design and the mix. And, you know, Trapanese was very adamant about letting some scenes just breathe and and he knew our sound designers and he was like we're in good hands those guys are going to take care of us and this scene needs to be clean so actually the movie was supposed to start with me with music and um trapanese really strongly insisted that we didn't and um i'm so glad that we listened to him because it's 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 a much more powerful moment when the music does come in yeah Wow. So, I mean, we, we've hit on a large portion of the crew. Um, is there mm-hmm. anybody that I've missed um, that you really, uh, that either has a good story or that you want to make sure get their name mentioned on here um, from the crew or the production or people mm-hmm. that you work with? Because, um, uh, God, I, I, had, I had almost forgotten about the score, and I'm glad I brought that up. Oh, That's yeah, no problem. worries. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, Trapanese did an amazing job. I mean, uh, we, we gently touched on, on cinematography and I think one of the yeah. unsung heroes, uh, is Tommy Thomason, uh, who was our cinematographer and he, uh, you know, cinematography isn't just getting pretty shots uh-huh. and it's also, and it's also not just getting shots that say something. Cause that is, that is also a major, that I, that's what I think separates a good cinematographer from just an okay cinematographer is someone that knows how to say something with a frame. But Tommy also just had the best attitude. Uh, that guy was just sunshine at all times. And he was such a great partner um and really made sure that like we were never waiting on camera department he was always ready he always had a good attitude and he always just kept it light and um and he did his job well and you couldn't ask for a a better crew member like that um and then in post uh our sound designers um and our sound mixer uh were just i mean there were some scenes where uh, we're out there shooting in, in a blizzard the sound is not usable from that Right. Uh, there's there's no conceivable scenario in which a microphone's going to be able to actually ca- capture anything that we can use. Um, so those guys brought together, you know, five or six scenes that straight up had nothing, like nothing usable, and they just built it from the ground up. And uh, and they did an amazing, amazing job. And and I think that that the sound the soundscape of this film uh, makes you feel cold. It makes you feel tired. Uh, and and they did it. They did an amazing job. So uh, desperate. Yeah, you, you know the 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 scenes that had it. it yeah, it's just when it, it at the same time could give you complete nothingness. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and how you feel like just and also feel so intense and immediate all mm-hmm. at the same time. And, and um, it's hard. It's hard to. It's hard to create um, differentiation between these different environments. Uh, you, you know, these guys had thousands of different kinds of wind. You know, they had. They created layers, and they managed to make us have peaks and valleys um, in whether or not something was going to be loud, quiet, and you know, and quiet didn't always sound the same. Um, and I think that they did an amazing job. And then also, you know, my partner and one of my best friends, Joe Penna, uh, you know, we haven't really gotten into too much about him as a director. Um, yeah. and I'll have, I'll have him, uh, give you a call, um, you know, before we take off for the next one. Uh, but you know, he did a, he did an amazing job and it's a lot of pressure to go out there and make your, make your first film. And we were taking a swing that we needed to make count for sure. And we got pretty separated for a little while because I was in my little editing box and he had to go out there and he had to shoot. So the the partnership, I had to just trust that he was going to get what we needed to get. And he had to just trust that I was going to know what was missing. Um, right. And uh, and he did an amazing job. Um, and he got he pulled a perform. Mads is a stellar actor, but he's also someone that's looking to a director to see was that good is that what you want are we on the same page and um and he needed somebody strong to be able to uh to kind of pull him along and and 
and make sure that you know it's you can get pulled into a a, a vortex of uh, a, a spiral of um, you know self doubt or loneliness or this this echo chamber of of yes men when you're the sole actor in a movie and, right. and Joe was there to keep Mads um, to keep Mads Mads uh, and and um, make sure that he's he's getting the best out of Mads. So I mean, I, I couldn't be um, more proud of my buddy because because uh, he did a he did a, a an amazing job. Oh, and, I, uh, I can't I can't wait to talk to him about it. You know that it, it's funny you, you talk about Mads so much, um, and I you know he's, the movie wouldn't be what it is without that performance. And mm-hmm. I was thinking earlier, you know, I've seen a lot of what he's done, but that that Hannibal show, which mm. I, I really hope they ever bring it back. You know, there's not too many people, you know, that can come in and play a role that iconic. You know, only like a couple of people have played it. And the one everybody remembers, you know, is um, yeah. a brain shutting off. Um, come on. Help, help. Yes. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we were focusing on one guy. So for Mads to come in and he he puts such a different but such the same spin at the same time on the character. Mm-hmm. Um, he just embodies it. I can't think of Hannibal without thinking of it as being Mads now, yeah. you know. Um, and and so it, it's so cool like that. Um, and uh, to to think of someone you know in our age group, you know, getting to dictate or um, work with and you know work on a character in a movie with a guy like that is just it, it's inspiring, right? Yeah, to hear all yeah. It's, it's, it's absolutely great. wild, and also hear that it was so. I won't say hectic and and hard, but you know that so much was you know riding on it. So much fell into place just out of pure coincidence. Is is so cool. Yeah, uh, and it's like it's there. There's that's kind of like you know one of the the dirty secrets about Hollywood is that you know there's a lot that there's there's only so much that you can do, and then it becomes something that's up to luck, that's up to fate. But I also don't want to be disparaging to the uh, the strength of the script because if if it wasn't a good script, because I I, I I talk to some producers about this and and they say um, and I say oh boy we we were lucky and they say no you know there there is luck and there's a bit of luck that's involved and there is a bit of good fortune but it doesn't come without a good it doesn't come if the script isn't good it doesn't it doesn't come if you're not good at your job. And, um, you know, I was very fortunate that my my best friend was the director. So I got a crack at editing the movie. And then I didn't get to keep my job unless I did a good enough job for the for the producers to be uh, to be pleased with it. So it's like it's this weird balancing act that you have to you have to keep in mind. Um, you never know when opportunity is going to strike. And then when it does, you have to be ready for it. You got to be able to bring the goods. It can't be this this intangible you know hope that you have you got to keep grinding on the craft and keep just keep going and and keep hustling and until you get your chance and when you get your chance you gotta you gotta be ready to uh to take a swing that's awesome and it, it's it's not at the the same level at all but that's paralleling very well to how this weekend has gone for me um, yeah no that's great i, I mean no, this weekend's I, been going great for you yeah no i've got you know the blockbuster in bend oregon becomes the last one on the planet mm-hmm. at the same time that the Bend Oregon store manager wants to be on my show. Yeah. Weird. And, yeah, you and gotta, I just you gotta swing. And then and then I got you, um, who um I, I hope I would like to uh of, of course um continue you know continue a friendship and relationship with the podcast. Sure. That's stuff to talk about. Come back on. I'd love to have it. Yeah, yeah, no, I'd lo- I'd love to come back. I mean, uh, Joe and I are about to uh, about to embark on our next our next feature. Um, we're doing a movie called Stowaway. I was just uh, going to re- ask you about that. Yeah. You can't say anything about it? <laughs> um, I can say I can say a few things. Um, we have Anna Kendrick and Tony Collette as uh, as two of our uh, of our cast. Right, we're going to have a cast of four. Um, so we're going to up the ante from okay. uh, you know two. And a polar bear to, to four. Um, and uh, it's a movie that uh, that takes place on the journey between Earth and Mars, which is a, a five-month, five or six-month uh, journey. And um, finally, do the Mars thing. 
we'll get we're gonna get there one way or another, man. Um, <laughs> Damn uh, that, Damon. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. But this is just on the road. This is just on the road to Mars, so it's a little different. Ah. Uh... Uh, but, uh, yeah, this is actually the script that was, that we had taken out to town, um, uh, before and, um, before Arctic and, uh, you know, now that we got our, our first feature out of the way, um, we're, you know, we, we've got a great, uh, a great set of producers that are really, really excited to, uh, to make this happen. And we're going to, um, I've been getting drawings of the, the ship and, uh, all kinds of cool, cool gadgets and we've been consulting with nasa and jpl and uh oh, yes. got some i you know i learned all i could learn about surviving in the arctic wilderness and now i'm gonna learn all i can learn about uh space travel and um you know all of the the dangers that that come with that so uh it's exciting and we're gonna start shooting in june so what um that's awesome what skyrocketed that into happening other than you know you were sitting on the script and you wanted it was it the success of arctic they kind of made uh, definitely made yeah I rock it okay yeah uh the success of arctic um we had worked with a foreign sales company that that did the foreign sales for arctic um and they want they've they've start since started producing films themselves uh and we had such a good experience with those guys that um you know they they brought us in they they really enjoyed they asked us if we had anything else and they really enjoyed the script for stowaway um and then, um, you know, the producers over there are very, very active, really smart guys. And they figured out a way to uh, to get us to be able to make um, uh, a movie that is probably outside of our price range for uh, for money that is in our price range uh, because of, nice. uh, you know, tax incentives and uh, and different ty- kinds of uh, breaks that we can get if we if we shoot um, overseas. So. Um, you know, without sacrificing the quality of the film, uh, we're going to get to work with some really, really high caliber people. Uh, we're really excited about our production designer and our uh, our cinematographer. Um, you know, conversation has uh, has gotten very, very exciting. So, um, you know, we're it's going to be a very different experience. Uh, we're going to be shooting on a soundstage pretty much the whole time because the movie takes place entirely within the ship, um, and it's all on this trip. Uh, so we'll be on a soundstage the entire time. We'll have uh, climate control and walls, and uh, that'll be nice. Uh, and I'll have a, an area to to edit that is not a freezer. I won't have to wear gloves, so that'll be a good uh, that'll be a good uh, that'll be a good change of pace. And uh, and we've got some really heavy hitting, amazing actors signed on, and and we're in the conversation with a couple of other. Uh, really outstanding performers that are going to round out the cast, and it's going to be uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be. I'm excited to see how Joe handles um, people talking. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's going to be a very different animal than uh, than what Arctic was, but I oh, think them- awesome. thematically they're a lot of the similar. You're getting uh, to make the first narrative, like the the when you were down and out, the first narrative idea is like yeah, that, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be it's 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 gonna be nice to be able to uh, to get to take a swing at this one. Oh man, I I can't wait to hear more about it. Please, please come back on when you have more to talk about with that too, because uh, I, I I'll I'll get the I'll get the first scoop, man. Yeah, get the scoop. <laughs> oh, so yeah, no, it's, no, no, it's more. I'm I'm just I'm just really proud. I'm proud of I'm proud of my my liner friend here, man. This is this is such a wild story. Oh, thanks, uh, I, man. Yeah, I, I didn't know this was the story before I got you on here. You know, yeah, I kind of I forgot. I was at a I was at a dinner recently with a bunch of other young filmmakers, and um, and I because I, Joe and I are very insulated in our in our uh, experience out here. You know, we're we're coming from YouTube, so we don't really have those you know quote unquote Hollywood uh, connections. And, you know, I had a dinner with some other young filmmakers and uh, we're all exchanging stories. And I had completely forgotten. It feels like it was so long ago. Uh, I had completely forgotten that Joe and I were basically, you know, the bit had to se- I forgot about selling all of our stuff on Craigslist and, you know, uh, working out of the garage and, you know, ha- being a few days away from having to give up. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's a lot can change in a year. Yeah, Jesus. So, um, you know, 
uh, you know, obviously, if you want to say more about Stowaway, go for it. But if not, I'll go back to Arctic. Sure. Um, yeah. No, I, I don't. I don't think I have more that I can say. Oh no, no, th- dude. Thank you for giving me anything. I put it at near the end because I wasn't sure you were going to be able to say anything. Yeah. Um. So how was it that um that the movie ended up at Con? Uh, so Joe and I are repped at, uh, at CAA at, uh, the creative artist agency and, um, they're, a, you know, highly reputable, uh, agency and we have, um, uh, they, you know, them and the producers all, you know, they, we went through the traditional submission process to can, uh, but, uh, what I didn't realize is that Mads is, is French royalty. He's Danish. But yes. he's actually he's actually knighted in France for uh, for his uh, contributions to the arts, um, and uh, they love him over there. He's he's actually won Best Actor at Cannes before, um, so uh, it was a kind of a no brainer. This is definitely a, a European style film, um, so we submitted, and then we were really fortunate to be able to get in and. Um, and no one had seen the movie before uh, we played it at Cannes. We didn't do any test screenings. We didn't do any, you know, audience tests or you know, focus groups or anything like that. So what you see is 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 really the the collaborative vision of um, you know myself, Joe, uh, the producers, and Mads uh, on screen. And no one had seen it, and we were there with. Uh, we got to premiere it at the. Uh, at the um, uh, Lumiere Theater with uh, 2,300 people, and I'm 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 used to people being anonymous and sending comments on YouTube, so I was very nervous about uh, getting a real time response. Uh, and we got a standing ovation uh, by this uh, a very very notoriously difficult French audience uh, that yeah, has been known to boo. Standing ovation too, from what <laughs> yeah. I read. Yeah, yeah, they they're known for booing and for walking out, and uh, they gave us uh, a really warm uh, response. And 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 it's actually kind of weird. After about twenty seconds of clapping, it's like, okay, <laughs> uh, what do I do now? <laughs> um, I'm just gonna call this in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so it was really great. It was really awesome, uh, surreal experience to uh, get dressed in the tuxedo and walk the red carpet and to be there. Um, you know, you, you, I spent so much time with Mads just in the trenches that you forget that he's a movie star, um, even though we're making a movie together. Uh, and you know, it's really cool to see that and just to kind of, um, you know, feel like you're a part of that, uh, that experience. Uh, unfortunately I got horrendously sick, uh, (laughs) the, the very next day and I missed pretty much the entire festival after that. Um, Oh yeah. So I got to make another one to get back in over there. Um, I had to have really the only memory I have from like my fever dream that I had was, uh, was Joe in a tuxedo putting a, a wet washcloth on my head. And, oh. uh, <laughs> that is all, that is all I really remember from, uh, from that pretty much that whole week I got real, real sick. So be careful when you travel overseas. <laughs> yeah. I've only been to the UK so far. So, We'll, yeah. we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I'm going. I'm going to Germany. Uh, we're going to be shooting in Germany uh, in June, so uh, I'm going to be very careful about what I eat. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's wild. So you went to Con. I I would assume that was uh, both of your first time, right? And yeah. you know, I I, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to make assumptions because you know I've seen lots of pictures of you since Arctic came out at all kinds of different premieres with all kinds of different people and mm-hmm. i saw one with you and I'm, uh, at rogue not rogue one off solo with yeah, Ron yeah yeah i was uh i was braving like a, a 101 temperature i think on that day and having a 101 temperature and putting on a tuxedo in may oh. in oh. france <laughs> probably not the best idea but i really wanted to see solo so bad um i won't say whether it was worth it or not but uh it was I, a tough, it was a I, tough day. I enjoyed so. <laughs> it was that, a real tough day for me. Yeah, I can imagine. Probably um, not the ideal conditions to watch a watch a movie. No, definitely not. So um, you know, god, I you know, that brings us up to the, you know, the movie coming out and releasing, but um talk a little bit about the the experience of taking it around after con and, you know, coming to the, you know, coming back home with it. You know what I mean? Like 
Uh, it's it's been cra- kind of crazy. Uh, I mean, we were really lucky. We, we got um, we sold. I think pretty much every territory um, that that make that presents movies. Um, so the movies played in the Middle East. It's played in. Uh, it's got six hundred screens, I think, in Russia. Um, oh wow! Yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's every screen in in Denmark has it. Uh, France, Germany, um, you know, all all over the place. Um, and we were really fortunate to get an American uh, distributor that wanted to do theatrical. Um, so because uh, it's there's, it's there's, uh, most filmmakers will probably say, oh, you got to watch it in the theater. Um, uh, to to any to about that but about any film but i feel like this film particularly in order to really understand the scope of it uh a theater right. is really the way to do it i was i was trying to drive that home to people because i'm explaining it and they go okay that sounds like a netflix watch you yeah. know because because it sounds you know the, the the way you describe it that's a you know it's a one guy one man show kind of a movie mm-hmm. um so you you know you don't think of that as being so exciting and you know the yeah tra- the trailer, you know, with the with the SOS, basically the opening shot of the movie, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't lead itself to, um, uh, you know, being something that's going to be, you know, like this crazy action-packed survival movie. And while sure. it has those moments, it's more the seeing it on a giant screen just it 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 takes your breath away and pulls you shot. in. It, it it pulls you right in. Where I think, you know, yeah, it'd be just as great of a movie to watch from performance, no matter what screen you're watching it on. But yeah. um man that that i couldn't look away like the movie flew by right yeah that was a that was one of the toughest things about the edit um like we were talking about the script earlier um the the actual like when i just strung everything together the actual runtime of like everything that was one-to-one from the page uh was probably about two hours and 20 minutes two hours and 15 minutes and i was like no no way is anybody gonna say (laughs) Is anybody gonna sit through this? It would um, not serve that, that runtime. Um, no, no, even no. though I see more of it, it would not yeah. serve that run. Yeah. So um, the pacing uh, that was, uh, you know, one of the best compliments I got was from Jim Haygood, the uh, the Fight Club editor. Uh, he was one of the first and only people that saw it before it was uh, before it was finished when it was just in its director's cut phase. And he said that we walked a tightrope uh, because it's a very difficult thing to make a film with as uh, little dialogue as what we had. And, and uh, we needed to make sure that it was interesting uh, and it kept good pace. And uh, that's something that I'm very proud of because, you know, going from writing it to cutting it, um, con- uh, controlling that pace and making sure that there's peaks and valleys and that there's a flow and that, you know, it, it doesn't uh, drag was, was uh, the, the biggest, most important challenge to me. Yeah. Economy, economy of shots, right? Yeah. 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 Um, so what, you know, and then to answer your question about, uh, coming home and bringing it home, I I had been just dying, just dying inside to bring this home because we screened it in Cannes in May. It took, to me, it took forever. It took forever just to get to Cannes because we were done with it. 2017. You know, I, I had shot it in, in, um, February, March, 2017. I was done with the director's cut in August. Um, and then it was, I, you know, I had to go through the painstaking process of, of, uh, visual effects. And then, uh, you know, I, I walked this whole thing all the way through from soup to nuts. And, uh, and it just took so long to get to, cause there was a, a point, a period where we were done and then it just, we just needed to wait for can. Uh, and then we screened it at can. And unfortunately my parents, my parents couldn't make it out to, uh, to France so uh, I just really, really wanted my mom and dad to see it. Uh, and I couldn't show it to them on a TV at home. Like, I just cu- I couldn't bring myself to do that. Um, so uh, we got to screen in New York uh, in February and uh, or no, in January. And um, and I got my parents, you know, in New York's an easier trip uh, for for my family than to get out to France. So uh, I got my parents to come out to New York mads was there and uh you know it was just really really cool we had a very hip hipster theater um in in new york and um you know had the blue carpet because that makes more sense uh for our movie 
and uh and it was great and uh, i was really really thrilled and i i just i just i sat with i've seen the movie a billion times but i sat with my parents and i just watched them uh watch the movie and it was it was really cool to see them see it and then uh they were really proud to see my name up on the uh, up in the main oh, titles at the end and uh and then bringing it home to to boston um was super super important to me um i i i i grew up making videos with all of my friends in the backyard on the trampoline and all of that and uh i wanted those backyard trampoline friends to uh to feel like this was a a, a victory for them too um uh, you know yes. and uh and i got to do a a q and a and um it was just really cool it was just really cool to have um you know strangers and friends and family uh alike all uh, come and support this thing that i had worked so hard on and um and we had sold out the theater that we were screening at um so quickly that they moved us to a bigger theater um in in uh in cambridge so i was like i was really excited and uh and uh it was just so cool <laughs> being at a movie theater that's like uh you know back home and and seeing all my friends and seeing everybody see the movie that you know it's this intangible thing um that isn't really a thing until people see it it's like oh ryan's been working on oh i think he works he does something with movies or he works on movies or whatever that's exactly how i feel even after seeing it right like i i had none of this background yeah right and i was following along i went back to your facebook posts and the photos on set and everything and i'm like oh Man, it's exciting. I can't wait to hear this story. And, you know, I figured the story, you know, would be, oh, yeah, you know, and then all kinds of cool stuff. But there's so much more to this, man, that you so much more to your personal journey here, man, than I even expected. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, it's been a it's been a ride and it's and it's, and it's been a long grind. I mean, I, I moved out here um, almost a decade ago and, um, you know, and I finally got a move, uh, you know, it's the, this little movie that it could and we started off in four theaters and then we blew out to close to 300 and um you know i'm just trying to just trying to tell stories and and connect with people that's i mean that's what the most important thing to me is as a um as a writer and as a you know i i use the word artist loosely um but like that's this is how i feel like um you know it's kind of thematic in in the movie is that you're not a person without people right. um and I've, that's my, this is my way of connecting with people as, and as many people as I can, as if I can get an emotional reaction out of somebody, um, if I can get somebody to, to feel like they, they relate, then I, I feel like I'm relating to the, to them. Oh, and, yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. So it was really, really cool to be able to do that with, um, with friends and family. And it's, and it's nuts to me that I'm seeing like, uh, you know, podcasts and YouTube videos, and there's a bunch of reaction videos to the movie on 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 YouTube now, and um, you know, seeing seeing people respond to it, and I even like uh, Joe and I um, bought a bottle of champagne, and we bought it for when we got our first like scathing review, um, <laughs> <laughs> and oh, it didn't take long, um, but <laughs> but we we printed it out and um, celebrated our first bad review because um, we didn't want to make something that everybody just liked and then forgot about. We wanted right. to make something that some people love, and when you make something that people love, um, other people are going to hate it. Um, right, that's you can't, just you can't have one without the other, man. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's just going to happen. So we hoped that the percentages would be high in our favor. Um, and, and they have been, uh, and, uh, but, but obviously you can't please everybody and, um, and, and it keeps you, it keeps you honest as a, as a creator. So, um, yeah, that's our, that is our way of like, okay, we, we got something out there that, uh, you know, some people are going to have some strong opinions about it and that's, we want to get a conversation going. So that's good. Wow. So looking you know we, we were talking about the number of theaters and so box office mojo here doesn't have a uh, a foreign total for your movie yet mm -hmm. but domestically you've made your budget back yeah yeah we're, wait where we're how where are we at right now on box You're office at mojo 1.98 oh no, nice no. sweet that's good uh <laughs> i haven't been refreshing that every day every morning when i wake up or every night when i go to bed at all um oh. How could you not be? Yeah, it's, it's like me looking at download numbers on 
podcasts. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah no that's that's amazing um uh we're, we're we're pumped about that and then um i i actually spoke with our foreign um our foreign sales team uh the other day and uh they said foreign numbers probably won't come in solid until for like another nine months they're not even like obligated to uh so right. i've had to just let that go but the fact yeah. the simple fact that russia wanted to put in 600 theaters well you're playing uh, in double the amount of theaters as the u.s and russia so that's yeah. that's sign <laughs> if there's anyone that can appreciate a uh, a bleak snow movie it's it's the russians so yeah <laughs> yeah and, and again it, it's cool like because you know it you really touch into the movie doesn't have like an agenda you know mm-hmm. what i mean like and not not that i that a movie's bad if it does that but this it's really about the human condition um and 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 like you said con- connecting with people and what it would be like, you know, to chill, still try to have those connections at um at your wit's end, right? And that's yeah, it, it's crazy. So, uh, um, man, I'm actually going to get two podcasts out of this. I think this is great. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anything, anything to help? No. So I was going to say, um, so in your journey, like, have you, you know, you've you've been doing this for a bit. You did, you know, all, all the YouTube stuff. You guys have a an un I, I can't even fathom the amount of YouTube downloads you said you were getting on, on the stuff before you got to this point. But like yeah. you said, you, YouTube changed their algorithm. It became a lot harder. I mean, it's funny when I first started putting these podcasts up on YouTube, you know, Bob and I, you know, I started doing it, you know, with my brother who's movie Bob, who's a movie critic, and he's all over the place. He's in, you know, the 40,000 to 100,000 to a million views an episode. But mm. I was getting, you know, 500,000, you know, 10,000 on the first couple of podcasts. And then the YouTube algorithm changed. Yeah. And, and it's like no one's seeing this stuff anymore. So, mm-hmm. it's, it, you know, I've, I've had to go to other means to get, you know, to get them out there, you know. Sure. Uh, but um, it, it's just crazy that, like, you know, you could go from, you know, 40 million views down to closing up shop. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, I think I think I'm looking at our channel right now and I'm trying to find what the video was that was like the last video that we did in the office and um yeah i mean we were we were consistently getting you know millions of views and then we went down to uh i mean it looks like we've actually gotten some residual <laughs> views since the movie came out That's, um, i saw I in the comments um on review sites of oh man it's mystery guitar man he made a movie yeah. you know and i'm like all right that's awesome but yeah. I was gonna, somehow so, it made our old. That's what's good about YouTube is that your old stuff can then still people can still see it. So yeah. um, you so, know, it can still get get views. So I talked about you know obviously you, you know, meeting Ron Howard and stuff. Was was there anything else you know in leading up to or in this the um, fallout from Arctic where like you got to meet a uh, like a hero or someone you had looked up to or always wanted to meet, um, you know, in the film industry or whatever um, that mm-hmm. came because of this experience anything like that um i would say that uh i mean something that i felt was probably inevitable but um but arctic definitely helped was uh i got an opportunity to direct um i uh joe and i had written a series of of short films and uh uh, and um and i had gotten an opportunity to direct I don't know if I can really say much more about them at the moment, um, but uh, but we haven't announced that quite yet. But I I got a chance to direct, and I I think that that is, um, it's a really really it's a totally di- it's a game changer for me, and um and it was an outstanding experience, and uh, I don't know if that door would have been open, um, quite yet without Arctic because. Joe and I definitely didn't have the money for us to go take a chance on, you know, me getting an opportunity to get behind the wheel on a on a short film. Um, I... So, uh, so yeah, so I, I think for me that was a, a really great, a really great um, kind of side effect of of Arctic coming out. Cool. So, so as we bring this thing to a close, I have a, I have a couple more little things. So. Is sure. there any, anything outside of the reason I had you on here that, that you want to plug or point people in the direction of? Um, 
Uh, no, I mean, I would just ask uh, if you're if you're into this kind of movie or if you're just into good movies um, for people to go see uh, Arctic in the theater. Uh, I feel like you'll definitely have an opportunity to watch it um, either on iTunes, Amazon, or Netflix, something after uh, after it's done its theatrical run. But I think it's a it's it's definitely worth the experience. I'm super biased, uh, but I think it's definitely worth the experience of seeing it in a theater. Um, and I agree. Yeah. Other than that, uh, no, I w- I don't have anything else to to plug. I w- I will probably like a year and a half from now. <laughs> no, I'll be sure to ha- keep having you on then. Um, yeah. And uh, how can people find you and and Joe in the movie? Um, is there like a Twitter for the movie or um, Facebook? Yeah, whatever? yeah. Uh, uh, Joe uh, Joe is definitely much more active on social media than I am. Uh, he's the face of the YouTube channel, so I kind of just uh, I'm I'm more of the uh, the uh, creative behind the creative or the technical behind that. Um, so uh, Joe is usually uh, Mystery Guitar Man is our YouTube our YouTube channel, and then and, all of and, our uh, and, I think yeah uh, yeah, and I think on on Instagram he might be just Mystery Guitar M or yep. he might be Mystery Guitar Man. I can't remember. Uh, I can um, put all that. Put all that. Yeah, in the text too that goes along yeah, with it. Yeah, and I, I have a, I have a, my Instagram handle is Rhymo Reason. Um, nice. <laughs> uh, which is because Joe, I don't know, I, that Joe came up with it, so <laughs> I can't take credit for it. But uh, I've tweeted like twice. Uh, I'm trying. I'm doing my best here. <laughs> yeah, I, I never used Twitter until I started doing this. Yeah. Like I told my brothers, like, you kind of have to do it, dude. Yeah. You, and I'm like, I don't know. Like, what is, it doesn't make, and now it's just what I do, and it annoys me. But, I, feel like I, I feel like I don't have any, like, I, 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 I don't have anything to say. And anything I do have to say that I feel like is important, I'm usually trying to put into a script or something. Right. Um, so, uh, but Joe, Joe is very good at that stuff. He's, he usually steals all my jokes and then puts them on, on Twitter or Instagram himself. Nice. So, um, with that then, outside of your yourselves, uh, you know, you've got, you know, you got picked up by a production company to get this movie out there, which means, you know, you, you went from the YouTube world to meeting colleagues and other people. So who else should, um, should I and, um, and my listeners and anyone that hears this really be looking out for in the next year or so? Or is there anybody that you guys are like colleagues that are, have something going on that you want to point people towards? Or um, uh, I would say Joe Trapanese, our composer. Yeah. Um, that dude is a beast. Uh, he's, he's awesome. Uh, he does he does great stuff. Um, he worked he actually worked on those short films uh, with us as well. Um, and uh, he just makes great great music. And uh, he's got some really cool movies coming out. So uh, hit up his Spotify because uh, I listen to I was listening to his Spotify when I was writing uh, short films or when I was writing Arctic, not knowing that he was going to be the composer. Um, so uh, he's he's great. I would highly recommend him. Nice. So yeah, um, Ryan, dude, thank you. Um, this has been awesome. Um, I like I said, th- thanks to Ryan uh, again, a, a a friend from from forever ago that uh, made a movie <laughs> um, and is going to make more. It sounds like um, he's the writer, editor, executive producer of Arctic, which is a new film starring Mads Mikkelsen in theaters right now. Um, and that's assuming you're listening to this in the spring of 2019. Uh, thanks, Ryan, for shooting the shit with Chippa, and thank you all for listening. And dude, yeah. I'd love to have you back on again anytime. Um, so yeah, tell everybody bye, man. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, man. It was a it was a blast, great conversation, and uh, yeah, um, thanks for having me. And I'll uh, I'll be glad to come back anytime and keep you guys uh, keep you guys posted on the on the updates on on the next movie because it's it's gonna be it, the next one's gonna be a wild one. It's gonna be fun. <laughs>